Why do leaders need to learn that control is only an illusion? Welcome to another episode of Relearning Leadership, where we explore a specific leadership challenge and break it down to help improve your leadership, your organization, and even your personal life. Today, through two parts, we dive deeper into the concept of letting go to discuss the importance in recognizing that our sense of control is only an illusion. You, you could always fall asleep at night because you had this plan on the wall. We have an illusion of control because we could see a plan. And now I have to find other ways to sleep at night. That is Meta Biaker, head of transformation at Gunfus, a water technology company based in Denmark. In part one, Meta shares her story in overcoming the illusion of control with Bent Myelerup, a coach working with Meta and one of our ALJ guides. In part two, Bent and I discuss what we relearned from Meta's story. By letting go, you are you're in some way losing the control, or I would say you are losing your illusion of control because control is an illusion, but you're still being responsible. I'm Pete Behrens. Thank you for joining us today. Let's dive in. So hello, my name is Ben Mühlrup, and uh, today I'm the co-host on this podcast for HR Leadership Journey. And with me, I have met Mette Bjerke, that I've invited to come and have a discussion with me. Thank you for coming, Mette. You're welcome. And uh, Mette, if you could just start by saying a little about who you are and where you work and so Yes, of course, Ben. Thanks for inviting me, first of all. And then a little bit about me. I'm Mette Bjerkjær, Danish, uh, working out of a company called Grundfos in Bjergbo. Educational-wise, I am a mechanical engineer many, many years ago. Very fast, my career took me into project management, uh, projects in R&D, new offering development. And the projects took me from very small projects to bigger projects to very, very big projects before I decided after 15 years of doing that, that I wanted to go into classical hierarchical line management, which I then have done uh, ever since, you could say. And uh, based in right now in our headquarters in Bjergbo, which is in the middle part of uh, Denmark. I have also spent uh, six and a half years in China, also with R&D, but also two and a half years in sales in China. So uh, that was short about me. Yeah. So you have a various background. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Super. Yeah. And, and thank you for reminding It's many years since I graduated because I graduated a You're year before welcome. you in the same engineering school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, Mede, you have you've chosen the topic for, for today and the topic you chose was uh, letting go. Yeah. So why is that important for you? Uh, when we talked about it initially, Ben, it was this about, okay, letting go for me is, is actually a lot of things. Uh, first of all, it was the default thing I wanted to uh, talk to you about. Because I, I think the journey I have been on for my entire work-life career, but then accelerated now with the Grundfos uh, going uh, on a journey of becoming much more agile company, was the letting go of the old habits. And by that I mean, you know, what, what made my career great, what made me great, was probably the habits I built over a lot of years. Yes. And now I have to let go of many of them. And then I have to find out which of the old habits is it actually I yeah. let go and, and in what order do I do that? Yeah. So so what what specifically uh, would you say that this awareness of letting go of all, all habits, how, how does that come out in the daily work? 
Well, as a project manager, you know, iron triangles and uh, waterfall plans gave me and all the other project managers in the world, I'm sure, uh, this sense of I'm in control. I, I'm even in control of what's going to happen in yeah. five, ten months yeah. from now. I can see you're smiling now. Yeah. We all we all fall into that trap, I guess. So I guess the, the first part of letting go of habits is this actually remind yourself at all times that uh, nobody can actually predict the future. We can react to what we are in right now and then make sure that uh, we, we don't, nobody has a crystal ball, right? So letting go of this false illusion of I know what's going to happen from now and becoming much better at actually uh, adapting. I, I'm almost uh, reciting one of the agile principles, I'm sure, but being better at adapting to the circumstances we are in right now and then adjust our approaches to the future. Yeah, yeah. So, so for your work, as a leader with your employees, mm-hmm. who are some of your employees, what, what would be the change of the behavior? Well, if, if I could take myself back five years, you would, uh, you would hear me asking questions like, okay, when is this done? Uh, when have we finalized that? What did the customers say? So these very, okay, I had a plan and we are going to follow that plan kind of questions. Today, I'm, I'm more into asking questions like that. I wonder what would happen if we do this or that, or have we thought about the value of the initiatives we are, we are going into now? So hopefully what they see now is a matter that asks much more curious questions into, okay, what could we do? Not sh- what should we do or what have we done? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a matter that is less concerned about following a plan and more concerned about does it actually provide the value that we, what we bring? Yeah, that's a good way to summarize a bit. Yeah. Uh, letting go does not mean that you, you just don't care anymore, right? Mm-hmm. So striking this balance of there are still business objectives uh, we are here to make, yeah. but having this, you know, okay, dare to let go of the f- illusions of I know everything yeah. uh, because nobody knows everything. Mm-hmm. And then maybe to the topic of what I have found the worst habit or uh, the, the habit I loved the most, maybe, right, was that if I interfered, I could always fix something. Yeah. Letting go of that habit is probably where I am right now in, in my leadership journey. Yeah. So, Mede, I, I hear you say something about being aware of the illusion of control. Yeah. So do I also hear a Mede that is more aware of uncertainty and unpredictability compared yeah. to before? Yeah. I I don't think I've ever been afraid of uncertainty and, and, and things not being predictable. But I, I don't know how to put this. Maybe you, you, you could always fall asleep at night because you had this plan on the wall. Mm-hmm. It, it gave you this, okay, it looks like we're going to make it. Or mm, if we're a little bit lucky or whatever it is, if we have a lot of tailwind, I could see it somehow. Yeah. And, and that is probably what... Like many uh, people like me, leaders who have been trained in that way, uh, actually have we have this, I wouldn't call it false control, but we have an illusion of control because we could see a plan. Yeah. Uh, that could make us sleep at, at night, yeah. uh, myself including, and, and now I have to find other ways to sleep at night. And that is probably back to what your question was, this about embracing the uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Actually just say to yourself, well, did I do my best? Did the team, did everybody actually do their best? Well, then let go of the uncertainty. Embrace it instead. Yeah. Yeah. If I remind myself every day that, hey, 19,000 great colleagues in Gornfoss come to work every day to do their absolute best, 
then yeah. that's a good starting point of embracing the, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure we can overcome almost anything together. So what would you say is important for the employees in order to be successful? I can only use myself as an example, right? If I do that change uh, with a snap of a finger, you know, I'm probably going to confuse a lot of employees. Yeah. So uh, the employees, we together with us as a leadership team, we have to create a, a safe environment yeah. where uh, you could say self-organized and empowered teams. You cannot just expect people to do that uh, overnight. I'm, I'm pretty sure, Ben, if I ask what you would need to feel safe, would be overlapping, but not exactly the same as I what I would say. Yeah. So that's where we have to have a an open dialogue. I, I often say to myself and, and to the leadership team I'm in, we need to talk with our people, not to them. Yes. Uh, and that's a good way for me actually to remind myself that I, I have to be in, 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 in eye height with the employees I engage with to yeah. really understand what, what their needs are. Yeah. So this whole idea about equity, yeah. right? That yes, people have various needs yes. in order to feel safe. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That sounds like things that takes a long time to do, doesn't it? Yeah, and uh, <laughs> that's a spot-on question as well. My journey into Agile has been, well, what's, you, you had asked me this question two years ago. We mm. would have a completely different dialogue, right? But I think one of the, the biggest adjustments I had to do was this uh, taking 19,000 people or 600 people where we have a starting point in Grundfos. It, it does take time. And, and my old habit was just, okay, don't talk to me about things taking too long time. We just have to do this and yeah. this and this. But it is, uh, it is much more than, a, than just a, a process change where we can describe, I want this and this instead of that and that. Now we're talking about people and the whole way we actually interact together, the whole leadership of the company. Yeah. And, and of course, it takes time. Yeah. Uh, two years ago, I probably had said, okay, how long, how difficult can it be? Yeah. But now being diligent and having seen how you actually, but by doing stuff like we are doing now, actually building trust, building a safe surrounding is not just something that you do overnight. Mm. And cognitively, of course, I knew that, right? But now we're in the middle of it. Yeah. It makes so much more sense, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure, for everybody. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one having been on that journey. It looks so easy. Yes. That's also simple, at least. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Seems to me like also getting feedback and get feedback fast and early, mm. both from the market. Mm. Uh, but also building up a culture of giving and receiving feedback mm -hmm. is important. Yeah. Do you have some thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think talking to me two years ago, I would probably have said that we do have a feedback culture because feedback has typically been something that's gone up and down the hierarchy instead of peer-to-peer uh, -peer feedback. So I give feedback to you and give, you give to me and none of us are managing each other. It's easy to give positive feedback Mm. Anyone can do that, right? Ben, you're doing great. Uh, just continue doing that. But going into these dialogues of, hey, Ben, it, this is probably not as good as yeah. we thought it should be. So uh, you can hear a, a completely different dialogue there. Yes. Mm. You're addressing several things here. Mm. One thing is that you are in many ways addressing the five dysfunctions of teams mm. by Patrick Lencioni, mm. right? Mm. About trust, mm. but also uh, the fear of conflict. Mm and also about holding each other accountable. Mm. That's one thing. And the other thing I, I hear you address is this, what we call the broken window syndrome. 
mm-hmm. right? That also, if 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 we let go of something that we should have let go on, mm-hmm. might lead to a dysfunction mm-hmm. a little later, mm-hmm. because people see well, if if this is allowed, well then I can also, mm-hmm. right? So this idea about if there's a an abandoned house and one window is broken, then mm-hmm. suddenly all windows are broken. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point, Ben, and that, that, that's probably also where we are now, just to put it into context of Grundfos now. We, we deliberately started in, in one area of the organization, and uh, they are now really uh, getting used to uh, uh, agile principles and working, you know, self-empowered, self-organized. We are not there yet. That's not what I'm saying. Mm. But I hear a lot of them now, and them is close to 600 really cherished colleagues now. They, they are starting to see, you know, if things would be much, much better if all the other functions in Grundfos uh, were not that broken, as you call yeah. them, right? Because their behavior is not that agile. Yeah. And, and that is, of course, what we then need to, okay, the 600 people who, who now is working their way into it, that they also feel secure actually giving feedback to the other functions now. Maybe this about if you see one broken window, it's also kind of, a, and I, I'm probably doing that myself, you use that as a little bit of excuse for not, not, not taking full accountability yeah. because... Yeah. If the rest don't do it well, why why, why, should, I? why should I, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Any any advice you can give to people about this balance here? Or? Uh, yeah, advice, good or bad, that uh, would be you well, or the anyway. listeners. Uh, no, I, I think actually daring to be persistent. Uh, yeah. Daring to have this, okay, uh, we might celebrate something, but we still have to go on this, okay, continuous improvement journey. I don't know how many times in a row that this team or this individual or this function did not meet their targets and then have the courage actually to be persistent and that and I'll say, okay, how can I help them? Mm. Rather than asking them, uh, we have thought about you need this and this and this. Yeah. I need to have these dialogues, persistency mm. and dialogues and, and not letting you get away with saying, no, no, madam, okay, or letting the team get away. I have to become this catalyst rather than the problem fixer. Yeah. yeah. I, I hope it makes sense, Ben, that uh, that is the persistency. Definitely. And that's where letting go of the old habits is uh, is one of the struggles I'm I'm having right now. Yeah. Fantastic. Hope so. Well, Mette, thank you for a very interesting discussion with you about letting go. And thank you for taking the, uh, the chance of being on this podcast as well. It so, uh, goes both ways, uh, Bent. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm, I'm really enthusiastic about uh, what we are trying to do right now. Yeah. So uh, it's my honor. Yeah, super. Thank you so much. Well, now my dear friend and colleague, Bent Marlerup, joins me to explore what we can relearn from Meta Story. Welcome, Bent. Thanks, Pete. Okay. So before we talk about Meta, I want our listeners to know a little bit more about you. Who is Bent Myler? Yeah, I'm a fellow coach and also a co-founder of uh, what we call Better Change. And I've been working with leadership for a little more than 20 years. It's like 20 years or more. When I first became a leader, I had many positions as a leader from team leader, project leader, department manager a line manager a couple of times and uh, yeah currently I'm the co-founder of this uh, this company here coming from being a one-man army in a company to now having uh, 14 coaches 
in the company. I need also to change my behavior. So I can I can relate a lot to, to what Med is going to share with us in this interview. <laughs> I'm with you on that. One last personal question. You recently completed a leadership development program, and I'm wondering if you'd share a bit about that. Yeah, it's actually a master education uh, on university level from Copenhagen Business School. And uh, <laughs> I went into the program actually inspired by you because I, I wanted to have a big, better theory on all the leadership models and so on. So I thought, well, I'll, I'm going to join Copenhagen Business School. They have a pretty good reputation here in Denmark. I'm going to learn a lot of theories, right? And then I got a little bit disappointed when I was in the program because it was all about myself and my development and how I acted. So it took like the first semester until I realized that the importance in, in becoming a leader is, is about becoming yourself. It's actually that simple, but also that difficult at the same time. Yeah, you reminded me a little bit of an earlier podcast episode we had with Jasmine Kiel, an HR uh, researcher out of out of Swissery in, in Switzerland. You know, if leaders aren't grounded in their own values and their own understanding and who they are, have their own personal vision, it's often hard for them to lead others. So that that concept you went to about it starts with you. Yeah. I had uh, many experiences during my life and, and also ups and downs and situations where I've been in distress. And, and also looking into some of these situations, I also realized that many of the situations where I've been feeling in distress was where I was, I was jeopardizing my own values. I was in conflict with my own values. Well, maybe we ought to get you as a, a direct guest here as a podcast. You're, you're poking a lot of interesting uh, threads that I want to go down, but I'm going to keep us focused on meta uh, here on this focus. one. Yeah, <laughs> one of our values, focus. Uh, so first of all, what, what inspired you in meta to bring her in for an interview? It was actually an easy choice because um, I've known meta for some years. And for me, meta is, is somebody who... who Always act with integrity. So in my 15 years as an Agile coach, I don't think I recall another leader on this level in an organization who has leaned so much into enabling others as Meta does. Right? She's capable of acting with integrity, even though there must be some pressure on her from the upper level in the organization. One of the things I experienced is, for example, that she is actually also one that uh, calls me out when I'm not leaning or embracing Agile, right? In my work as a, as a consultant working for her and she's being my customer, right? And this is very interesting to see. That's awesome that she feels the strength and the courage to be able to uh, push back mm. your coaching and, and your leadership. Yeah, yeah. And I did notice the, the sense of comfort, calm, maturity in her voice. I'm wondering what intrigued you most from her story. Well, her way of communication changing from directing people, also based on her, her seven years in, in China, where, where the, the culture is a little different than, than what we're used to here in Scandinavia. Coming from maybe telling people a little more, right? Telling people what she wanted to, to start asking questions like, I wonder if something, right? Or could it be a possibility if... So, so this focus on enabling people that is lying under the full, uh, the full interview we did was coming to me. That's one thing. 
She mentioned the words or, or the phrase that I found to be quite powerful. She said, we need to talk with our people, not to them. What does that look like? Listening to people comes out of that. Then the ears comes more into the conversation than your mouth, right? Because suddenly there are two parts in the conversation. There's you and there's me, and there is the common third we have, right? The conversation. So it becomes an exchange of information, an exchange of perspectives rather than a one-way direction. I love the way you said that talking with people means we bring our ears into the conversation. I, I love that phrase. There's another perspective that's also very important as leaders. The importance of talking with your employees when you're a leader, to be present with your employees. Small talking with people, listening to and asking how are you doing and how was the weekend and so on. It's basically about relationship between you and the ones who work for you. I mean, I think you're starting to really get into the essence of communication. You know, we often think communication is to align or communication is to direct and, and make sure people understand what's happening. But I think what you're getting at here is some of the core of communication is connection and relationship. I do think that that's probably a missed perspective more often than not, you know, from leaders. So I'm, I'm, I'm basically an introvert person and I never engaged a lot in small talk, right? I go to the point, but I also realized that small talking is also a way to signal to the other part that you come with good intentions, right? Get a connection and get to, to like each other and so <laughs> Well, speaking of listening, I may have cut you off earlier from sharing a second point that intrigued you in your interview with Meta. Do you wish to share that? Yes, I do. So the second point was um, the topic is about letting go, right? But letting go is not the same as anything goes. And I think this is also one of the essentials in, in catalyst behavior that we talk so much about in our leadership program. And catalyst behavior is not about being soft. You still need to dare being persistent, as he also talks about here. So so it, it relates a lot to self-awareness, you could also say emotional intelligence, that I'm letting things go, I'm focusing on empowering the people who work with me, but I also, it need, there needs to be guardrails in how they act, right? Do you think that's why it's so hard to let go? Because, I mean, you mentioned at the beginning of, of our show here, you find it hard to let go. I mean, as a coach, uh, as a leader, I, I certainly find it hard to let go. And, and what Meta's bringing out here is letting go is not a binary, right? It's not a let the, the rope go. It's a much more subtle construct. Do you think that's a piece of the challenge for letting go? I think that's a piece of the challenge, absolutely. Because by letting go, you are you're in some way losing the, uh, the control or I would say you are losing your illusion of control because control is an illusion. Um, but you're still being responsible, right? So, so if you, when you have, not if, because I think it's when you have the, uh, also the concern about how are you being seen in the organization, especially for those you report to, then you also need to show that you are responsible and letting go could be considered as not taking responsibility 
I had definitely in my own job when I was a development manager in a company experienced that where the COO came and asked me about a certain thing. I said, well, my team is working on it, uh, but I don't know the exact details. And he was very surprised that I could not come with the elevator pitch about how things was at the moment for that one. So, so it, in many ways, it's counterintuitive for, for leaders letting go. Well, and I remember uh, working on a, a shared client. I remember a lot of concern by leaders who felt if I move into that catalyst, let it go behavior, what do I do at a meeting when I'm asked <laughs> and I don't have the answer? And I look weak because they were expected by senior leaders to have all the details, not bring somebody with the details, but them themselves have all of the details. Yes, because as a leader, you're brought up to fix things. And if you come with a, with an engineering background, right, then you're definitely brought up with fixing things. So again, counterintuitive to, to how you normally behaved. I liked her subtle transition, and I think you you teased it out of her, this detailed expectation mindset, you know, when's this done, where are you on this task, to almost a guiding, mentoring mindset with some of her questions. How did you see that in her, or, or how do you see that, I guess, for leaders in terms of helping them to move into this let-it-go space? Yeah, that's a, that's a funny question, Pete. In many ways. So, so if you look at my relationship with Meta, right, I'm hired to be an ex agile expert right? <laughs> with, 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 focus, with focus on leadership and the enterprise. And I occasionally also give Meta advices that uh, she don't ask for, right? For example, I say, well, well, Meta, now it's the time we should do so and so, right? Um, because due to my experience, this is the time we should do so and so. And, and I, I can see the transition in, in the years I've worked with Meta from uh, following my advice to say, thanks, Ben, thanks for the advice. I'm going to discuss your idea with my team. Uh, and then we'll make a choice about uh, what we are going to do. Right? So this, this awareness of that she succeeds when she succeeds through her team of agile coaches. We're building up a, a team of agile coaches in the organization. Hmm. Yeah, so that's one of the ways he's pushing back on you subtly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I learn a lot. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> yeah. So you, you mentioned a pretty interesting metaphor, the broken window syndrome. Uh, I'm wondering if you'd share a little bit more about that or maybe where you've seen that happen. Yeah, I actually don't recall where I picked it up, but uh, the whole the whole idea is, is explained on Wikipedia, so that must be the truth in some way. Um, <laughs> that was a joke. So, so I think it links to what, what Meta is also sharing in interview about being persistent. And the whole idea about that if you, if you allow an undesired behavior, like one person constantly breaking team agreements and not contributing to the goal of the team, right, then other team members will be demotivated. And rot will also begin to, to start spreading. Okay, if this person can do like this, then I can also take some freedom. Right? I also seen that in my own work as a leader, where I was the leader of a team, and the team was using Scrum as, as the approach for developing products. 
But there was, there was one person who simply didn't buy into working like that. And both the team and I gave that person many chances, right? But it continued like breaking the window, right? So at one point, and, and it was probably too late, I, I realized that the team started becoming more and more demotivated due to this behavior here, right? And at some point, the team became very direct to me and said, Bent, you need to let this guy go. Now we try. We tried for more than a year now. And then I need to take my responsibility to push the button and say, well, uh, the, the seat you have now is at the bus stop rather than inside the, the building, my friend. Have a good journey. Yeah, I think many leaders can relate to that story. Letting go is complex. You know, you're reminding me one way to define culture is what leaders tolerate. Letting go has to have some limits. Yeah. I think Ralph Stacey would, would say that uh, values is something that we constantly are negotiating with each other. Hmm. Right? If we allow undesired behavior to go on, then we actually negotiating some other values than the ones we actually want. Hmm. And then we have a changing culture to the worse. Well, thank you, Ben, for facilitating MetaStory and exploring with me the complexity in letting go and shining a spotlight on our illusion of control. Thanks for letting me. Listening to the English dialects of our Danish guests makes me long for my international travels that have been so absent for the past two years. Copenhagen was one of Jana and my favorite cities to visit. So what can we take away from MetaStory? I once had a class with Peter Block, an organizational and leadership guru. I asked some question about how to hold someone else accountable. To my surprise, he walked over to me, grabbed my arm and asked me, can I hold you accountable? It was immediately obvious to me the naivety of my question. Yet he went on to say that in order to change culture, we need to change the conversation. I never forgot that. In this interview, I see Meta shaping her company's culture through her conversations, not just the formal PowerPoint presentations, but everyday language, connections, and relationships she is building. She isn't merely letting go and abdicating responsibility. She's letting go of one rope only to grab on and persistently pull on another. She's aware of the illusion of control and explicitly shaping a culture to share it. Thank you for listening today. Relearning Leadership is the official podcast of the Agile Leadership Journey. It's hosted by me, Pete Behrens, with analysis from our Global Guide community. It's produced by Ryan Dugan, with music by Joy Zimmerman. If you loved listening to this podcast, please leave us a review. And visit our website, relearningleadership.show, for guest profiles, episode references, transcript, comments, and more. And to relearn more about your own leadership, visit us at agileleadershipjourney.com. This season, we're celebrating Joy Zimmerman's award-winning album, The Canvas Before Us. Today, I was drawn to her sarcastic number, Beware the Short Story. In it, Joy warns us of the quick and easy marketing way of words, 
that gloss over the real facts. Today, I heard Meta go deeper, show patience and persistence to avoid this dangerous trap. Hopefully, you can do the same. Enjoy Beware the Short Story. Use no care in what you say. Words travel fast. Either way, easy come, easy go. Just proclaim it so quick and glossy. Only headlines, not the facts. Who wants to overtax? Give it to us quick and glossy. The shortest line leads to truth. Lenses thick with muck that spewed emperor's clothes. Might be a hoax. Step on that gas. Go for. Story beware. 